and how it applies to us when David exhibited uh, an appropriated faith. It overcame his fear, made him victorious in battle, and in his, um, and in the very awful situation that he of no fault of his own found himself in as King Saul sought to slay him. And many, many, many other aspects we see that on the contrary, and as we study these biblical characters, it is a good thing to compare them. On the other hand, uh, Saul seemed to have been always relying on his fear or acting out of fear, showing little faith or no faith at all, some may say. And things didn't seem to get better for him. As a matter of fact, he kept getting more and more depressed and his attempt to slay David uh, never really materialized up to the point that we were studying and in fact it's no it would it's, it would never it's going to never happen so as we as we look at chapter 22 tonight of first samuel kind of recap from there we recap from there chapter 22 of first samuel and as we shared over several last weeks of classes of study how David had to do all kind of things to survive literally literally pretending to be crazy and doing some things that uh, I was unbecoming becoming of him and so forth being a bit deceitful and in, in in instances like when he told the king that he you know he had some kind of special secret mission that he was on when simply he was running for safety from Saul the other things as you study um, the life of David and as we said from the very beginning how he became such a large and important person in the scripture and how much of David is connected to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how much he is revered even to this day in Israel by the Israeli and others and um, and you know you take for instance um, this wasn't mentioned when we were going through that passage 
But if you recall, we spoke about how David had gone to that priest and, and told him that they were hungry, which undoubtedly they were. Uh, he and the gang with him. And, um, you know, eventually they ate the, the bread from the altar. Well, it can't be a small matter, even though it may have seemed orthodox, unusual, and to some religious folk, blasphemous <laughs> or whatever. But when Jesus was going through, if you recall, the gospel, the fields of corn with his disciples and his disciples, um, uh, you know, started to shred it, you know, peel it, so they and, and, and ate it, uh, ate some of it. Uh, you remember how the, Jesus was criticized because he allowed his disciples not just simply to eat the corn, but it had something to do with the Sabbath. And Jesus said to those religious folks, he said, don't you recall how David, when he was hunger, when he was hungry, how he ate the showbread from the altar? So it, it, it can be a small matter. Uh, it has to be much deeper meanings to the things that, that happened and we, we, you know, we try to cover some of them. Uh, for instance, in this case, it's not only God is more is more interested in us as a person than forms, fashions, traditions, and stuff like that. Uh, rituals, uh, rules and even made up laws on the parts of human. God is more interested in the person, uh, in us, in David, in us, in spite of our shortcomings, and in spite of when we may do something that's not orthodox or, you know, up to spiritual stuff. Uh, because, as Jesus would say, which is more important to God, a person who's starving or a rule or practice, you know, that is made up somewhere, so to speak, all overextended in its interpretation. So, so let's keep that in mind as we as we continue to study David in chapter 22, oh David, and this and, and this speaks about his friend, and we kind of recapping. David therefore went to and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brethren and all the fathers heard it, they went down there to him and we talked about how the fact that David in spite of all the pressure that he was under and the 
the great danger that he was under and the fact that he was just a hero, so to speak, from losing his life, he still wanted to make sure that his family was all right. And as, as I remarked, uh, you know, kind of reviewing here, that David didn't ask to be anointed, wasn't even around when uh, Samuel came to anoint, you know, the next king. Uh, his father never, never brought him out, didn't bring him out, at least not at first, until Samuel insisted there got to be someone else. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is telling him. And by being an innocent person, a young innocent person, uh, and got this great favor from God, put his entire family in danger when Saul turned against him. You got to remember that in those days, if they fear a king, they fear his family. They fear that someone out of his family could take the place of the person who was anointed. So David's family uh, was in danger. Now, just imagine this or think about this. How his family must have felt. They could have gotten angry at God. They could have gotten angry at David, they could have gotten angry at life. They could have said, well, we were living peacefully and we didn't ask for this. And beside all of this, David's father and brothers and family were devoted Israelites and they were following Saul. They were obedient to Saul's uh, uh, anointing and becoming king uh, by God selecting him, allowing him to be king. Uh, it, was, uh, it was when David was carrying food, for, taking food to his brothers, when um, he heard, uh, you know, Goliath, challenging the Israelites. And so 12 his brothers were, they were in the army, whether were conscripted or volunteered or what they, so it was a loyal family to Saul. But now David running from Saul had to make sure that his family was protected. Um, and so in verse 2 of 22, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered himself unto him, and he, he became the captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So one could say, David could have said, is this what this anointed of God brought me to? To be a leader over a lot of misfits in society? 
But on the other hand, a lot of these misfits, according to the to the description here, were social outcasts, people who were oppressed, and people who uh, lives were miserable. So it brings us to another point and another kind of of, um, of, of, of comparison to Jesus and Jesus's ministry. And there's something to this. Before David is anointed and put on the throne, which eventually is going to happen, he has to be a leader of those who are disenfranchised. He had to be a leader of those who were poor, who were outcasts, who were homeless. And that's why we can understand the ministry of Jesus why focus so much on those folks and if god has anointed us and i know he has anointed all of us definitely you know to the people who i know that join this class every week god has some anointing for you and sometimes you may say well this is not what i thought that god wanted me to do and to do for him we have to ask ourselves what is the lessons that that um, God might be teaching us some of us have gone through this already so we know it some of us may be in it now some of us may not even started yet but some of us as we go through trials and tribulations we start with the anointing that God has given us may say well is this what it was all about but what might be the lessons that we have been taught undoubtedly in many instances is to care for others understand uh, those who are less fortunate in society less fortunate than you to care and to love for the disenfranchised no doubt you could say among these people people could easily have said well this person is in debt because of their fault this person is running because of this because of that remember the time when they did this the time when they did that that is really something that god wants us to really um, pay attention to regardless of how successful we might be to understand the circumstances of others. It may not always be what you think it is to begin with. If life circumstances press you so hard and encircle you so much, you just like the examples that is given to us about David, might find yourself forced to do things, say things, be in places god forbid that that under normal circumstances you would never think of you know with these compromises and so forth someone could look at david for instance and say well you know it, it's his fault you know who, who is he really anointed of god did god really call him he was being disloyal 
to his king. So you can always find things to blame on people, to blame people off when they're down and when they're out. I think there's a great lesson here as stated in verse 2. Everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto David and he became their leader. And in verse 3, you see that David went to uh, Mishpeth of Moab and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know that God, what God is going to do with me. And we spoke about that. We spoke about even tonight, how David was very concerned about his family and wanted to make sure that they, because they were in some danger too. But David was a principal one that Saul was after. <sighs> he brought them in verse 4 before the king of Moab. And they dwelt with him all the while David was in hiding. Verse number five. The prophet God said to David, Abide not in the hole that is hide out, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hareth. Now verse 6 is really what I want to kind of start moving ahead with tonight. When Saul heard that David was discovered and the men were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeath under the tree of Ramah, having the spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servant that stood about him, Here now, you Benjaminites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of a thousands and captains of a hundred? As we said before, he said, Well, look at what, look what I have done for you. This is what I can do for you. Someone who's on the run, someone who's with riffraff and outcasts doesn't have that kind of power. You know, and oftentimes that's what keeps people from being right with God. Their, their fear, fear of losing what they have. Fear of, you know, of falling, you know, out of grace in society and so forth. Contrast the people in the, in the, in the scripture that we have shared tonight. Because remember, I keep saying contrasting is so much important 
as we study scripture, contrast the people who are with David, the Alkash, and the people that Saul is speaking to now. Obviously, obviously people who are getting along because of his favors that, that you know, uh, that Saul has done uh, for them. And they're sharing in, in, in a better, better living. And, and he's kind of uh, holding it over the head, so to speak, a wedge. And, uh, and he's saying, well, you know, look at what you have. David is not able to give you any of this. And almost saying in a way, we need to think about this and pray about this. And almost in a way saying, I am the one, so I'm the one who is blessed of God because I'm able to share my blessings with you. It can be David because he doesn't have anything to give you. As children of the Most High, as obedient servants, of people who have struggled, prayed, struggled some more and prayed, and strive to be the very best person you can be in the sight of God and everything else. And you know that God's hand is on you and he has touched your life. But still yet, you you know, people might, might say stuff that might be hurtful and, and stuff like that. And they may be always looking at what you have, what you don't have and and so was she or him, there's a public bless of God, but you know, they don't have much to show for it. And so that's one of the things that happens, uh, you know, of people misunderstand what God's favors are to people who he has touched and who he has blessed. Amen. So uh, as we move on to more of chapter 22 and still doing some recapping, uh, I just want us to think about those points that I share with you tonight as David continue to, uh, to um, hide from Saul and run. We said that um, in the last class, and we'll deal with it next week a little bit more, all Saul became so cruel. And the priest that he thought was helping David, you know, and, and you've seen this cruelty in people and in leaders. He will kill, he killed uh, many of these priests. And, um, and uh, you'll see where at least one priest, a prominent one, escaped and went and joined 
David. I want to bring this up because it is a lot of pressure on David. We talked about earlier how he must have felt terrible of what happened with his family, literally losing everything. And obviously David could just blame himself. Now what the priest that I killed, even though Abiathar, uh, you know, escaped and joined David. And I kind of ended on this note a little bit when last we met. How terrible David must have felt and how responsible he may have felt for the death of those priests. Now, I, 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 I can't say I have a definitive answer for you. I don't know. I trust God. I believe in God. That when bad things happen to good people, and 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 God forbid if if something should happen, and even though we didn't do it, we didn't plan it, we weren't part of it, but somehow we, we may feel that we are responsible. It has to be a very terrible, terrible feeling. But we are not God. David could not foresee how cruel, how low Saul would have stooped, and how determined that Saul was uh, was to kill him, and how angry and resentful through fear, acting out of rage that Saul would become. And there's another point to it. When people are enraged like that, when they don't use faith and they act out of fear, and they do cruel, cruel things, say cruel things, and do cruel things, and spite others trying to get at you and so forth and so on, it just goes to show us that it's never really about us. It's about how we carry ourselves, who we represent. In all of this, I kept saying over and over, and why I can definitively say that Saul was not demonstrating faith. In all of this, we don't have instances, like it's worthwhile repeating, where Saul just went to God and asked for guidance. And where was his, how is interesting, where is fate, or how is fate was misdirected? Because was he not fearing God when he was doing all of this, killing the priest, becoming a threat to David's family, undoubtedly? Did he not? If he really believed in the anointing 
that God gave him. If you really truly believe in the power of God, because his anointing would have to come through the power of God. If you really believe that, how in heaven would he act that way? Would he? Did he not think that God would equal the score, level the playing field, that God would not intervene on the side of the disenfranchised, the size of those, the side of those who were oppressed, and the side of those who were wrongfully uh, killed, their families and so forth. Funny how people fear men, and people who should know better, but they don't fear God. And that we can definitively state as a lack of faith in God.